In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Life Podcast. Hope everybody's having a great Sunday morning. I thought we'd cover a little bit of news today. Go through some headlines, give some commentary, check out some pictures. And uh, yeah, that's what we got going on. So let's just move right through here. Everybody knows about this whole Trump scandal, getting indicted. What do you guys think? Put some, whatever you, th- whatever you think about this crazy indictment, put it down there in the comments and we can talk about it. I think that this whole idea of indicting a president is intriguing. It seems to me like it could be, uh, oh, I don't know. It could be a pretty big problem for not only Trump, but, you know, what does it mean if you indict this president? Can you go back and indict other presidents? On some level, I think that the government in itself is making a pretty big mistake because they open the door to prosecute all politicians. And as somewhat of a populist, I think it's a good idea. Go ahead, indict Trump, and then we can move on to the Speaker of the House, the Vice President, the, uh, you know, we can move on to all of them. Once we set precedents for putting a politician in prison, then we can begin with the show trials. And that's when the real fun begins, I think. Because let's face it, all the politicians, whether they're red or blue or dirty, they are partnered with K Street, they are partnered with the lobbyists, and they really don't care about any of the people. What they really care about is getting into office, getting a huge paycheck, and burning their constituents. As long as their constituents aren't millionaires, they don't really care about you. All they want is your tax revenue. They don't care about your personal freedom. They don't really care about anything except making money. And that's exactly why I think putting Trump in prison is a fantastic idea. I hope he gets indicted. hope he goes away to prison. And like I said, I hope we start with him, and then we move on to all the rest of the politicians. So let's check out some other stuff here. There are some interesting stuff in the news today. I think you guys are going to like them. So let's just move down some headlines here. New York plans to close streets for arraignment. What do you guys think? Are they planning on there being some big demonstrations? Are they planning on people going and being out in the streets and getting crazy? 
what do you guys think is going to happen? Is there going to be anything that happens there that's nuts? Or is it just going to be a big nothing burger? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. On some level, I think it's a pretty big distraction. I think it's distracting us from the world of finance. We're seeing all these things happen. Uh, we'll stay with this story for a little bit. End of invincibility? I don't know if he was ever invincible. Shocked and defiant political woes. I think it's a distraction. Let's check it out. Let's see what else we got going on down here. Um, how about this? Stormy Daniels, Mar-a-Lago. No, no, no. Former Arkansas governor. Uh, here's an interesting one. Hunter Biden works featured alongside art world heavy hitters. <laughs> That's hilarious. Who in here thinks that Hunter Biden is a phenomenal artist? Everybody knows what that is, right? Hunter Biden doing artwork is Hunter Biden taking payments for his father and the corrupt Biden family. I think everybody knows that. The fact that this can even happen in front of everybody is disgusting. The fact that that guy isn't arraigned before Trump is, is ridiculous. That guy should be indicted first. But but here, that's what I'm saying. Hunter's next on deck. Biden's next on deck once Trump goes down. Uh, list of the 10 best states for long, healthy living. What do you guys think? You got any guesses? Let's check them out, huh? Let's see what we got here. I bet you Hawaii's on there. This is coming from Renee Onork, Health and Wellness. She published this on Friday. There's a picture over there. You should check out her article. I'm sure it's pretty awesome. Let's see here. Health and Wellness. So consider this in 2019, the U.S. landed at number 40 for life expectancy when compared to other countries, according to the World Health Organization, with America's advanced healthcare system in mind, an average life expectancy of 78.5 years. Pretty interesting. How many of you think you're going to live over the age of 80? How about 90? How about 100? What does it make you think about healthcare? You guys think healthcare is getting better in this country or is it getting worse in this country? And what are you doing? You listening to this. Yes, you. I'm talking to you. What are you doing to make your health better? Getting up and going for a run in the morning? Maybe doing a little walkie walker? Going for a jog? Having some nice conversations with people you love? I hope so. Well, let's get down and figure out what these states are, right? Life extension, yada, yada, yada. Okay. Um, here's some things you can do. Pretty sure everybody knows this, but these are probably pretty good ideas. And this is going to correlate to states somehow. Exercise, healthy diet, healthy weight, sleep, quality, stress levels, social isolation, proximity to parks. I guess that's kind of being outside, right? Trying to figure out what's out there. Okay, states ranked high not only because of lifelong expectancy, but also of their residents live a healthy lifestyle. All right, then look at this. Here we go. My home state of Hawaii, baby. The number one state for a long, healthy life is Hawaii. It's not surprising. Hawaii landed the number one spot as the best state for longevity. The Aloha State's life expectancy at birth is 80 years old. Aloha, everybody. I can tell you, I, had a, I haven't lived in every state, obviously, but I can tell you living in Hawaii is beautiful. Let me tell you one thing that is probably not in this article, but I think adds to the beauty of life, longevity, and a healthy lifestyle. And that is here in Hawaii, there's zero billboards. So if you're driving down the highway, you don't have like this big screaming sign like, hey, buy this thing. You need this. Look how pretty I am. Look how skinny I am. There's none of that. All you see is like beautiful mountains. And sometimes you hear the birds singing. And it. let me just stay with this thought for a moment. 
I want you to think about the world that you live in and how much advertisement is out there. I think that adds to the stress and anxiety and this is whole idea of consumerism. It adds to your crappy life when you're driving down the street and you have, you know, this borderline pornographic image like just flashing at you like some big cheeseburger or something like that. So let's see what else we got on here. The top 10. Oh, we don't need that one. All right. So let me let me switch it up here and we'll come over here to a new one. Let's go with Okay. How about Here's another one for you guys. Anybody know what this is? These are the Israeli protests. For those of you who haven't been paying attention to the world of uh, protest around the world, there's been quite a few of them. Now, there's some people that say Benjamin Netanyahu in Israel is trying to become somewhat of a dictator by getting rid of an individual in his cabinet. And you can see some of the pictures here. So in some of these pictures, you see, you know, Hundreds of thousands of people, they say, in the streets that are trying to change the Israeli structure of the government. And for those of you who have been paying attention, you know that Netanyahu was in power. He was out of power. He was in power. He was out of power. He's in power. And they're having a lot of problems down there right now trying to figure out the best way in order to reimagine their government. And I, I don't thoroughly know all of exactly what's going on, but I'll try to paraphrase what I do know. So you can see all the people on the streets down there. Apparently what's happening is, according to Netanyahu, the court system down there has the ability to, according to him, and I don't know if this is true, I'm just putting out what I read. According to Netanyahu, the court system out there is like the final judgment. And that he says they are the ruling party. They can do whatever they want and no other branch of government can check them. And the other side of the argument is saying, listen, <clears throat> the courts are our last line of defense. We've set it up in this way so that so that it does check everything. And that same side that is on the side of the courts not changing is saying, well, Netanyahu is trying to create a dictatorship. And if he gets his laws passed, then the executive branch will be, in fact, able to appoint whatever judge they want, and there'll be no checks and balances on them. And I think that what they're fearing is an all-out civil war down there. You can see how many people are taken to the streets. You can see how much chaos is happening down there. You know, it's it's been happening for, I think, over a week now. There's just been protests everywhere. And you can see all the people in the streets getting kind of nuts. So let's stick with protests for a little bit. And I want everyone who's paying attention to this broadcast to think about not only this protest, but I'm going to show you some other ones. So bear with me while I while I move over to the next screen here. Okay. Now we've made our way over to France. And in France, you can see people in the streets as well. So people in France theoretically are protesting the idea of having their um, retirement age moved up two years from 62 to 64, I think. And there has been estimates of up to 500,000 people in the streets. Um, a lot of them beginning to turn a little bit violent. You know, you're seeing the French people who have a history of for belief causes. They are standing up to Macron, who has 
in his last term of presidency, I believe, decided to push through an initiative that has been tried to be pushed through for the last 10 years, and that is this raising of the retirement age. And you might be thinking to yourself, wow, these people are rioting just because it's a two-year, you know, they, they can't wait an extra two years. I think it's more than that. I think the French people are fed up with government. And <clears throat> the reason I bring this up is I, I want you to, to think about the way that this part of the world reacts to the government. Look at the way that the Israeli people are standing up to their government. And I think that the reason you as an American aren't seeing all of these images online right now is because our government is afraid that this is contagious. Like the French protest, the Israeli protest, the protest in the Netherlands from the from the farmers that are out there that are trying to beat back the government for not being able to use certain types of fertilizer out there. And so the reason you're not seeing these images is because there's riots all over the world. And they're taking different shapes and forms, whether it's these the yellow vests, these people in France or whether it's the Israeli protest that we saw earlier, right? There's your friend Macron right there who's responsible for it. And so I want to try to paint you guys a picture of what – maybe there's an Ariadne thread that ties all of these protests together, and I think that there is. So we've seen these protests in France. We saw the ones in Israel. And you know what? We've also begun to see kind of bank runs happening in the United States. We have seen bank failures in in uh, U UBS in, this, in Switzerland. And I think all of these things are connected, at least in my opinion. I think what you're seeing is a complete breakdown of the financial system. And it's, it's these sorts of protests. It's these sorts of people in the streets that is going to continue to happen. And, and I think that everything you're seeing from Trump being arrested, from drag queen shows, from, uh, you know, black versus white, gay versus straight, man versus woman, um, all of these sort of, you know, books in the classroom that people are talking about. I think that these are all giant distractions to keep people who pretty much think the same thing, who pretty much have the same values. It's a distraction to keep us on the bottom divided. They don't, when I say they, I mean your Wall Street uh, bankers, you know, the, the big banks around the world, the insurance companies around the world, the government officials around the world. I think that they are all connected on some level and they see the financial system collapsing. It's the multinational corporations, the big banks, and the governments around the world working hand in hand in order to keep the people distracted. Because they don't want to see these protests. They don't want to see streets being closed down. Because what, ha like what happens when the people move out in the streets? Well, commerce comes to a complete stop. You know, the world of money changing hands for the big boys comes to a stop. And in, at least in the United States, we're a, we are a consumer-based economy. When people stop consuming, there is no more economy. I'll point you to the words of Jerome Powell who has recently gone on stage and said what, what he's really trying to do is stop a wage increase spiral. And I want you guys to think about that because that ties into this. Here's these people in France that are protesting uh, a higher working retirement age. And we have our leader of our, the leader of all finance and pretty much the country in the United States is Jerome Powell. That guy runs all the money. And what he wants 
He wants every working person to make less money. I want you to think about that. Like how ridiculous is that? Here is a multimillionaire who was given everything. He was brought up in a big family, had all the money. Him and his family took everything for themselves, the same as all the bankers in the industry, whether you're this, and all the CEOs of these giant corporations, they were given everything and they've squandered everything as well. They do not want working people. And by working people, I mean people that get up and go to a job every day. They don't want you to get a raise. They don't, they want you to suffer the inflation so that they can continue to make the same profits they're making. They want to bail out the speculators and punish people that go to work. And I don't know if that is, I, I don't know if there's some sort of foundation in economics where if the people start making more money, inflation goes to the roof. That's kind of the argument, but I think it's BS, belief systems. I think that what's really happening is there is an incredible divide. And the only way to stop the world from radically changing into a more uh, meritocratic world, a, 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 uni, a multipolar world in which a mer, a, you know merit-based ethics can win out, the only way to stop that is to crush the people on the bottom. And I think you're seeing a concerted effort by governments banks, and multinational corporations. Look how many multinational corporations as of lately are laying people off. You have all big tech just getting rid, getting rid, cutting, cutting, cutting. You have multinational corporations like uh, UPS and the train companies that are, are recently getting ready to have giant contracts be either ratified or negotiated. And you're seeing these giant corporations do everything they can to squash their employees. I put out. A, I would like to put out a call to action. If you are, no matter what country you're in, I hope that you choose to support the person that gets up and goes to work every day, and rather than the multinational corporations. I hope when these big strikes do come, whether it's the Teamster strike that's probably coming up, I hope that every one of you put an incredible amount of pressure on the giant corporations because they don't care about their people. They sit around and they talk about safety. They sit around and they talk about how much good they're doing. But in the grand scheme of things, the, one of the biggest problems we have in our world today is the idea that people are numbers. People aren't numbers. People are people. They have families. They have feelings. They have children. They have problems. But when we look at individuals as numbers, we strip out their humanity. And you can't, when you start cutting people left and right, like, oh, this person is insignificant or this person doesn't, do, doesn't work as hard as they used to 20 years ago. That's a giant problem, and you can't cut the you you can't cut the people on the bottom without ruining the not only status but you can't cut the people on the bottom without ruining the integrity of the company because the people throughout any corporation are important regardless of what job they do, and we've gotten away from that. We have decided that only the people at the top are important, and that's why you're seeing these protests at least in my opinion, that's how they add together. So I think that you're seeing the, the collapse of the financial system is a direct reflection of the lack of integrity at the people at the very top. You know, another symptom you can see of that, at least in my opinion, is that when you listen to some of these high-powered CEOs or these talking heads on television and they talk to you about like Generation Z or these the Zoomers or the millennials, they say, oh, these kids don't have any life. These kids aren't loyal or these kids don't know how to work. I say that's BS too. 
These kids don't even want to be part of the disgusting system that was put in place by the boomer generation where they were pretty much given everything, right? Hey, here's here, mom and dad. I'll take care of you forever. When they die, you get all their money. You don't have to work. And I think that what you're seeing is this incredible class structure falling in on itself. I think the millennials, I think that the boom, the zoomers and all these next generations are not only hardworking, but they are, they have a bit of a backbone. Like they're not going to put up with these ridiculous slave like wage sort of conditions and they shouldn't. And I think, you know, as a Gen Xer, I look at the older generation looking down at these younger kids and, and I, I see a little bit of animosity. You know, they say things like these kids are lazy. No, they just don't want to work in slave labor conditions. And the more you look at the United States, the more you begin to see the people on the top treating the people on the bottom like they're garbage. And you're going to see, I think you're going to see more of these protests coming. I think that in the next election cycle, you're going to see things like this. You know, it, it's very possible that you could begin to see protests on a level that you've never seen before. And all you need to do is think back to the, remember like the summer of love or it was like the summer of rage where there were different cities burning. I remember you could turn on YouTube and there were riots in Oakland and there were riots in uh, Chicago and like that is going to return, not because it's about black versus white, not because it's about drag shows, not because it's about Trump, but because of the rising inequality that it has been accelerated by people like Jerome Powell, like people like Trump, like people like Biden, like people like Nancy Pelosi. Our government, our banks, and our multinational corporations have come together in order to squeeze the lifeblood from the individual, like trying to squeeze blood from a rock. It doesn't work. The system is broken. And unless we figure out some new ways in order to make things at least we need the return of social mobility back to the individual. And if we can't get that, then you're going to see riots in the street, at least in my opinion. Okay, so I've kind of got on about what the problem is. Now I want to talk a little bit about some solutions. So I think that some of the solutions are going to be, it's going to have to start this way. You're going to have to see people in the streets because that's the only way change happens is when people demand change. That being said, I think that right now is a great time to begin learning or teaching yourself a new set of skills. If you're somebody that drives a truck, if you're somebody that works in an office, if you're somebody that may even have a white collar job like uh, in finance that could possibly and more than likely is going to be taken out by chat GPT or these AI uh, bots, I think right now is a great time to begin retuning your skills as an individual. Start thinking about how can you bring value to more people? Maybe at your job, you bring value to your office or a team of five or six or 10 people, or maybe you make deliveries and you deliver to 150 people a day. How can you take what you know now, whatever, whatever area you're in, how can you take what you're doing and move it over into your own individual way of life, into your own brand, into your own sort of little business? The fact that you can go online right now and do what I'm doing and you can present information to people or you could teach people how to do things. There's so many talented people out there that could probably create a channel or a brand and teach other people the things they know. You might be thinking to yourself, I, I don't even know anything. George, what am I supposed to do? Well, that's BS too. You do know stuff. Anybody over the age of 
20 or 30 or 40, you've accumulated skills in your life that are valuable. And if you're willing to try, if you're willing to begin learning how to communicate effectively, then you can take your skills and you can teach them to other people and they'll be inspired. They'll be thankful and they'll be happy to learn from you. And when you do that, you're making the world better. You're making your environment better. And on top of that, you're undercutting all of these giant corporations. If you're willing to come out and just teach people, maybe you do 10 minutes a day, maybe you do five minutes a day, but you're contributing at a level that you've never done before. And you are providing information for people and you're cutting out the middleman. You're getting rid of all of these sort of mid-level, you know, uh, jobs that were given to the kids of really wealthy people that don't really do anything like you we're, we're cutting out the fat we're cutting out the middleman and you watching this are part of it so i just wanted to say thanks to everybody i kind of wanted to get in here and check out some of these headline news stories give a little bit of a rant right there there is i want to leave everybody on a really cool positive note so check out this next story that i got for you okay not this one but um, let's see. Okay. And this one's coming to us from the Jerusalem post and it is, uh, let me see. Can you see that there? Archaeologists to find lost underwater civilization with magnetic fields. Now that sounds fascinating, right? So let's check it out a little bit. Magnetic data, like seismic data, is collected by those looking to extract energy sources from the seafloor in order to map out the landscape for construction. That seems a little interesting. So I guess that's all we have is that kind of headline right there. But see, this is another point that I want to make to people. Look at all of the incredible, interesting things that are beginning to happen on the sidelines. In the, in the forefront is all this corruption. In the forefront is all this political chaos. But if you look, if you peel back the curtain a little bit, look at this new technology like magnetic data, like seismic data is collected. What else can we learn from understanding the magnetic poles? Like the idea that we can begin to map out the landscape of the seafloor and the fact that there's, the fact that there's an underwater lost civilization like, what does that tell you? It tells you that maybe the history we've been taught is kind of BS as well. And that's exciting. I know it's kind of demoralizing to think that maybe you've been taught garbage your whole life. But the fact is, if we have been taught lies the most, most of our lives, if most of the things we have been told from Darwinism to the uh, kings and queens of the Middle Ages, if a lot of that stuff is garbage, then that presents us with an opportunity to rewrite what is true. And I want you to think about how limitless that is. What if you could rewrite your story? What if you could rewrite the world you live in? And it's happening all around us. It's happening with language. I know a lot of people aren't real happy about the different kinds of pronouns people are using, but what does it mean? Maybe since we're redefining pronouns, maybe we could redefine contract law. Right, Because contract law and all these lawyers have found a way to strangle us with language. Like They just tighten you in and you're stuck in the spot. But what if we could loosen up that language? What if we could figure out a way to not have to be in debt forever? I think that that's on deck. And I think that language, history, and the way in which we live in this world is all on the chopping block. I think it's up for debate. And I think that we 
as those who are paying attention have an opportunity to rewrite what the world is going to look like. And you watching this have an opportunity. Um, yeah. I, so here's one. Hey, Bruce, thanks for chiming in, man. Here's a, here's a comment from Bruce, guys. So Bruce says he's not in favor of mucking around with the SSI and or the ages. And that jumping too soon could trigger even more homelessness. So, yeah. So I think what he's saying is uh, the social security. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't, I, I'm with you, Bruce. I, I, it's not that I want to muck around with it. It's that it's already being mucked around with, and I would like to have some sort of say in it. You know, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I, I I agree. So I'm not sure if Bruce is saying that it's for the U.S. or for France, but let's just take it by France first. So, yeah, you know, these people have paid their entire lives into a social security system, and now the government's saying, hey, we're not going to pay you. You know, it's kind of like you telling your credit card company, well, I'm not just not going to pay you anymore. I'm just going to change my interest rate, and I'm going to change the date I'm going to pay you. And, I mean, it, it kind of begs the question, right? If the government can do it to us, why can't we do it to them? Like how many people would it take to stop paying their mortgage payment? You know, I, I thought about something like this. You know, what if there was a group on Reddit or what if there was a group out there that got together and they all have a home loan from Bank of America and they all get together and say 5,000 people decide, you know what? We're, none of us are going to pay our mortgage on time. But right now we're going to short Bank of America stock and none of us are going to pay our mortgage for two months. Yeah, you're going to get dinged with some fees, but you should be able to make that up shorting the stock. And if enough people did that, you could bring the finance. I mean, it doesn't have to be Bank of America. And I'm not I'm not saying everyone should do this. I'm just throwing this out there. So don't get mad at me. I'm just saying there are things the American people can do. Just people around the world. That's what hedge funds do. Hedge funds go out and find companies they don't like or they see a problem with and they just short them into oblivion. Like, What if the American people did that? There's tons of stuff out there that we could find. Like, look at what Norfolk Southern is doing. Like, they have destroyed. They have taken responsibility for everything except the consequences of East Palestine. They've ruined the water. They've ruined the land. They've ruined the people. They've ruined the farms. They've ruined the morale. They've ruined everything out there. And they pay zero consequences. Nothing. They have their own police force. They're not allowing people to test their wells. Like, that's an that's an ecological disaster on the level that we have never probably seen in the U.S. And where, where are the environmentalists? Where is Greta Thunberg? Where is Pete Buttigieg? Like, where are these people who champion the environment when there's spills like that? They're nowhere to be found because they don't really care. They, they're, big, they're just mouthpieces trying to gain some fame. They don't care about people. What they really care about is money. and They're on the same team. But I'm, I'm with Bruce on this, too. You know, if people were promised SSI, if people were promised Social Security at a certain age, then they should get it. That was a promise made to them, but it's more than a promise. It was something that they've been paying into their entire life. And it, it speaks volumes of where we are as a country. And this takes me back to the initial idea that what we're looking at is a financial crisis. Here's the government not wanting, not wanting to pay people that which they've already paid into. That is a financial crisis. But here's the real kicker, Bruce. Listen to this. Why is it that there's no money for the people? Why is there no money for infrastructure, but there's infinite money to bail out banks? There's infinite money to send to Ukraine. Like, 
How can those two things be together? Oh, sorry, we have to lift the retirement age for people. But by the way, we can give Silicon Valley Bank billions. Nah, we'll just give them trillions. But for the people working, sorry, there's no money for you. Like that's why people are in the streets. Like it's it doesn't make any sense unless you realize the financial sector is collapsing. Does that mean we're going to have CBDCs coming in sooner than later? Probably. Does that mean that people at the top are panicking? Probably. Does that mean you should probably have an extra bag of rice or an extra bag of be able to make your own bread? Probably. I mean, I can't predict the future, but I can predict that there's a lot of opportunity. And I have full faith in the American people, in the Russian people, in the Ukrainian people, in the Israeli people, and the people around the world are rising up. And I have full faith in them. I think that we're headed for a time while shaky is going to be not only more beautiful than you imagine, but more beautiful than you can imagine. And I hope that every if I could leave people with with something as I'm in as I'm landing the plane here, I want you to think about that. You are incredible. You're beautiful. And you've gotten through so much tragedy in your life that no matter what happens, you're going to be able to move forward. It might be tricky, but if you're listening to this, you're probably the leader. So harness your skills, do what you got to do, and know that what's coming may be a little shaky. But at the end of it, it's going to be beautiful. It's always dark before the light. That's all I got for today. Thank you for spending some time with me. Aloha. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge. And I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now. And it's been so rewarding to me that... I would just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, Go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.